God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome to the radio program By Design on American Family Radio, where the entire objective of this radio program is to educate and encourage people to embrace God's design for marriage and for family. And we started this journey here by design on American Family Radio back in July, and we're trusting God with the results. We've had several testimonies come in through email, and I've had a couple as I've traveled and got to meet some of our listeners. And we're so grateful that this is becoming all that we know that God had it to be, Lord, from the very beginning. And um, we have several podcasts um, and short videos and articles up on our website. Uh, some of the most recent podcasts that we've covered are Fellowshipping Among Married Couples, the importance of marriage and raising godly children, how to navigate marriage and ministry at the same time, and just a whole list of great resources. Some of the videos that are up, uh, we talked about how um, marriage marriages that deal with infertility and how um, some marriages, how the husband and wife have different roles and how they uh, work together. So just a whole bunch of really great content with the whole purpose in mind is to remind our audience, as I mentioned, how God's designed for marriage. So we're so grateful for that. You know, uh, typically my wife is in the studio with me, but she's not here. And so in the studio, I'm by myself, but we have a guest that I'll get to here in just a second. My wife is not in here because we are 38 weeks. Well, we are not, but my wife is is 38 weeks pregnant, and she is in those final days, and she's just having a day where I told her just that I'll take it from here, and we've got a great guest on that we're looking forward to having on. Uh, for today's program. You can go to afa.net. If At afa.net, you'll see a tab called By Design, and from there, you'll find all the resources that I mentioned. But y'all just pray for my wife, Chelsea. Pray for our family. Uh, we are expecting a baby girl, and that is our th- that will be our third child. We have a five-year-old, uh, Bennett Landers. We have a um, another baby girl, three years old, Landry, and my wife and the newborn on her way. And so, I wish I had a way to get y'all and show y'all some pictures of our family. Maybe we can put those up on the new Facebook page that we got. But um, we are real people, and we really just care about marriage. We care about family. We always have. My papa, when he started, Don Wildman, started AFA back in 77. He had the intentions in mind of preserving and inspiring and and challenging and encouraging the family unit the way God designed it because it was the first institution that God designed. And so... With that said, with the remaining time, we've got about 25 minutes left. I want to get straight to our guest because this guest is going to help us so much as we navigate the topic of marriage and family. And our guest today is Greg Williams. Greg Williams is the Director of Love and Lordship Ministry. Greg, thank you for being on the program with us today. Wesley, thank you. And I've been praying for you and your family because I found out when we were doing this interview that you guys were pregnant and you've been through some illnesses, but thank the Lord and... uh, I know she's going to have a great uh, pregnancy and delivery and add that uh, beautiful daughter to your family. Thank you for inviting. Hey, praise God. Yeah, we did. We overcame the coronavirus. I know a lot of people's got that nowadays, (laughs) but we overcame that. For me personally, it was not any, any, anything major. You know, I had, I had symptoms for less than 12 hours. And so mine was there and gone before I even knew it. My son was asymptomatic and my daughter had breathing treatments for a couple of days and my wife 
uh, was eligible for the infusion. I don't know if you've heard of that. The infusion, have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my wife, mm-hmm. we were able to get that, and so within a, a day and a half or two, she was back to normal, and then we had to wait out the quarantine time, but that was the worst part about it <laughs> for us. Yeah, yeah, least. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Yeah, well, I'm glad you're well, and she's doing well. Yes, we're all doing well, so that's good. Um, So um, when I was looking into your website and your ministry and wanting to have you on the program, I knew, obviously, that you, what you're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to accomplish with by design is we have so much in common, just a lot in common. And uh, I want to encourage our audience to go to the website. Would you share with the your website with our audience? Yeah, it is www.loveandlordship, all spelled out and together, loveandlordship.com. Wonderful. Loveandlordship.com. It's a beautiful website. I appreciate you providing content in all different formats for those that would be interested in different things. You have everything from articles to videos to a podcast, which is um, similar to what we're doing today. So you've, you've done a great job there. Now, I've got a couple things I want to get to, but before I do, the thing that stood out to me the most in one of your quotes here, I see that you say that you've been married for nearly 60 years. Is that true? <laughs> No, no. Where did you pick that one up? Did I did I have a typo or something? I have been married for just over thirty years. I just okay. turned sixty myself last month. Okay, but I've got just you. Been married for just over thirty years. So uh, my parents. That's what it was. That's what it was. My parents just celebrated their sixty third anniversary. Okay, I had to get that corrected because I saw your picture and I didn't <laughs> think there was any way you could have been married for that long. It's your parents. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why I ask yeah. questions. So. Um, So tell us a little bit about your parents and how they've been married for nearly 60 years. Uh, 63. They've been married for, they're they're going on 64 and they are, we are working through some of the late stages of life issues. My mom is in the hospital now has been going there or the nursing home for the last uh, almost 11 weeks now. I just went back in yesterday and uh, I've had three or four conversations with her uh, and she's dealing with a, a lot of issues but the greatest thing is last night in the emergency room, she just continued to pray and thank the Lord for his presence there in the room with her, even while she was in tremendous pain. And that was such a blessing to me. And I played some gospel songs for her. My dad sang in a quartet for nearly 40 years. And wow. They cut a couple of albums back in the 70s. Yeah. And um, and it was just a, a wonderful a legacy, a wonderful legacy. And I wrote that in the book. Uh, literally, that that when I started writing it, they had just celebrated their 61st anniversary, I think, or 62nd. Okay. I think it was just over 60. And we were here in the midst of political and cultural upheaval, and as well as the COVID pandemic and all that going on, and God just kind of brought all that together. But the, the, the probably, other than the Lord himself, the strongest point in the whole thing was that was my wife and family and my parents and their legacy that they left well, that, and are leaving, I should say. Amen. Praise God. I can say the same thing about my parents. My parents have been, they've been married my whole life, and they've stayed together. They've, been, they've remained faithful, and their parents' parents remained faithful, and they've been married the whole time. And so uh, we, I, we've got a beautiful, I've got a beautiful lineage of uh, marriages that were faithful, that stood through all types of difficulties because they kept God in the center, and Jesus Christ was, and, 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 and the Bible is what, it was our final authority. And so, hey, yes. between 
Okay, so now that I've got that right, my dyslexia kicked in, by the way. So now that I got that right, between <laughs> between your parents and you and your spouse, y'all have been married for 90 years combined. And the one thing that st- the word that stands out between that and my family and my family lineage is the word commitment. So what would you say the importance? What well, nowadays? I mean, people people say they'll do things and they don't. People the lack of commitment in all different other areas of life results in the lack of commitment in marriage to say the least why is why is being commitment and doing what you say you're going to do important wow we, we've only got about 22 more minutes right. but, but let, <laughs> let me give you the nutshell version that's a great question um uh, you'll find it by the way if you go to loveandlordship.com on the front page there i have an icon there in the middle of, of the, our new book called The Authority of Love, and I mention that for two reasons. Number one, to let people know why it's there, but secondly, if if I were going, and I do, in the book I do this, I define the word love, and I think what we have allowed to happen, in line with your question and your comments there, Wesley, what we have allowed to happen is we have allowed the world, you know, the Bible was not only written to individuals, it was written collectively to the body, Mm -hmm. to the Israelite people and to the body of Christ. And so when the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12, 2, that's not just speaking to you and me personally. It's speaking to us collectively as believers, as disciples, as the body of Christ. And I think we have conformed and compromised in so many ways because the world wants to hear love as feelings, emotions, infatuation, Mm -hmm. attraction. And... God's Word clearly tells us that while He gave us those gifts, and if they're used right, they can lead to many wonderful things. But that's not love. Love has many good and bad emotions attached to it, but so many of our people in our culture and even in our churches don't know love for what it really is, and yet it's mm. the most commonly used word in the Scripture and in the, the pulpit. Yep. But most of the hearers do not know. And, and the reason I say all that as a preface to answer your question is, the, the one-word definition that I think the Bible gives to love is commitment. In other words, you, you say you're going to do something, and you follow through. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep Amen. my command. Yep. Keep is a great definition for the word commit, yep. commitment. And the reason we don't keep it is because we've allowed our culture to see love for something that it is not, and emotions are roller coasters, mm-hmm. but commitment is steadfast. And the, the 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 word for love in the Hebrew language, the best word we can find is hesed, which means God's loving, faithful kindness, mm. or faithful loving kindness. You say it however you want, but it means the same thing. And the Greek word agape, sacrificial, uh, unconditional, selfless, self-giving love. Both of those essentially mean the same thing. And they are rooted in the fact that he never changes. He is always committed. The cross is the epitome of that and the empty tomb. And that's the way we're supposed to do love in spite of the struggles and trials and emotions. And if we taught that, I think we would see much stronger marriages, families, generational discipleship, and all the things that he intended to happen with that. Absolutely. And love is a choice. Uh, Unconditional love is a choice. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. I, that was, if, if you if you if you extrapolate in my book, I say it's a commitment, it's a choice, it's an act of the will. Amen. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm laughing in my in my head here while I'm listening to you because my daughter very literally, she's three, 
and she very literally has been recently telling us certain things why she loves us is it to say that if those things didn't happen she would no longer love us <laughs> which is the opposite <laughs> of what love is and so we're mm-hmm. having to teach her and what I've be- what I've begun to say uh, instead of I used to say I love you Landry but now I started to say I love you no matter what Landry because That's she good. she was starting to say things like if you give me if you give me an ice cream I love you or and she says it in her little <laughs> three year old girl voice but um yes. Um, but she and would her say, three year, her little, her little three year old girl mind. That's right. And what, yeah. I think yeah. you, I think you've hit on something there, yeah. because we have a whole lot of three year old Christians yes. that are not being put in a position for someone to disciple them in Amen. their walk with the Lord, in their relationships, in particular their marriage and family. As long as you keep coming to church and giving a little money and 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 serving some, and all those are good things, but we've we've replaced that with what Jesus said was a disciple. So we don't understand these deeper concepts. So we've got a lot of three-year-old Christians that are infants or toddlers that are still on the milk, as Paul said, and the writer of Hebrews said, that, that we need to grow them, and we're not doing that. So I think that's crucial in, in, our, in our churches today. Yeah, absolutely. And when I look through your website, your ministry website, give that website again. Loveandlordship.com. Spell it all out, loveandlordship.com. Yes, and when I looked through that uh, for the first time, I noticed that you implied a bunch over and over again. You, you had a lot of uh, implication, or you implied a lot there that marriage is a matter of being intentional and responsible. Well, what I wanted you to do is comment on that, but also comment about being intentional, not just in your marriage, but also in your the raising of your children. Yeah, yeah, and I would go back a step further, Wes, another great question and, and to make my point that I just made with the infants and stuff, if if we do not understand what it means to be disciples under the Lordship of Christ, which he clearly defined in Luke 14, then we're going to have a real difficult time doing what you just said, uh, keeping that commitment and understanding mm. what it means in my marriage and with my children, being committed, being consistent, uh, being intentional. Uh, you know, they say that... Um, the emotions, the infatuation, the attraction generally will wear off within 18 months to two years yep. and, uh, uh, and marriage. Mm-hmm. So, But the way you keep that is that you remain intentional about choosing. You said that word earlier about the commitment you've made. So what, another word that I use to define love in the book is an intentional investment in the other. And so if that's, in this case, when I get married, that's my, not only my wife, Wesley, but I have to make an intentional investment in the oneness that we are in the marriage. Mm-hmm. That, that The marriage is a disciple of Christ as well. I'm a disciple, my wife is a disciple, but our marriage as one becomes a disciple of Christ, in, in essence, that what God has put together, let no man tear apart. You referenced it in your intro in Matthew 19. And so I have to be intentional about that because my flesh and my emotions will lead me another direction if I don't stay intentional. Same thing with parenting my children. I've got to know the truths about that, what love really is, the commitment, and I can't, I can't parent out of pride and how good my children look. I've got to parent out of the truth of loving them for who they are, teaching them to love God and to know and love who they are, so that they will eventually learn how to love others, their future spouse. I've got a son getting married in four weeks from tomorrow. Congratulations. Um, their future spouse, their children, in a godly way, not in a worldly way. You're exactly right. You know, 
And that goes to on for me to discuss um, a quote that, or to share with uh, our audience a quote that's come to mind to me, and that's that our emotions will lead us astray and lead us. Our emotions are good sometimes, and they're bad others. God gave us emotions. And so, um, but the word of God is our compass. It always brings us back to center. And so the word of God should be the anchor in our marriage, should be the anchor in our life, and and should be our, our anchor and our compass when it comes to how we are intentional about raising our children and discipling our children into, into what is the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And we have that in the Bible. And I encourage our audience, if you're new to this, uh, new to becoming a Christian, or you have been a Christian for a while, but you have slacked in your Bible reading, find some type of daily uh, time that you read with your family. At night is when we typically do it. I'll tell the kids, go pick a Bible story. We've got all types of Christian kids books in our in our rooms and so they all get to pick one and then they get to hold the flat the whichever book we're reading for our children that night whoever like if if it's for my son or my daughter that child gets to hold the flashlight so you can get creative uh, uh, those that are listening get creative in your marriage and in your family and as you're as for the men that are listening, as you continue to develop in your role as a spiritual leader of your house, be creative and have fun and do the things that God's asked us to do because he will reward and he will bless you. And God's way can, um, I, I tell people when it comes to the Ten Commandments, who benefits from those things, from honoring your father and mother? Everybody benefits from them. So do what God asks you to do and everybody will benefit from around you. Now, as we um, come to the second half of the program, I want to remind our audience you can go to AFR or go to AFA.net, click on By Design, and you can find all types of resources that can help your marriage there. We um, here at AFA, we've got several different um, marriages that have gone through all types of um, different. Sorry, not different marriages. Marriages that have gone through all types of different uh, issues and infertility. Uh, some uh, some marriages have been uh, divorced and remarried. You know, they've gone through all types of different things. And so we just want to encourage you the best we can with the resource we have at AFA of the value of marriage. Now, uh, what we've seen in our country over the last uh, 50, 60 years is just a complete breakdown in the design for marriage and the way it is. And I believe that constitutes to so many of our or contributes to so many of our individual and societal problems. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%, Wesley. And I, and I would, uh, uh, let me ask this. I hope that you guys will consider my, my book, The Authority of Love. My wife's actually the editor as well. It's one of those resources. Ann Reed from American Family Journal actually did a review on it in the July issue and was very gracious. It was, it was encouraging. And so I hope they would. And, and to answer your question, uh, first of all, the I say this in the book, uh, the marriage and family is the foundation of society and the building blocks of Christ's church. Now, we know that the Apostles' Doctrine was the foundation in Christ with the cornerstone from Ephesians 2, but we know that there are so many references to, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation in Scripture— He started with the marriage, and he ends with the wedding feast. Everything in between, I've I've said this before, um, you cannot find a single word of Scripture that is not written about marriage. It's either written to the Israelites from God, God and his bride Israel, from Christ to the church, okay, it's written to or about them, or from a husband to a wife, 
that represents Christ and his church. So every single thing is written about that relationship. God wants us to take that very seriously. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 13, 4, he said that the, the marriage bed should be honored by all. At the end of this incredibly deep theological letter that mm-hmm. really ties the Old and New Covenant together in Christ, he, he puts this statement in there. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge all the adulterers and the fornicators and, and the sexually immoral. And that word, that, that word, the Greek word for sexually immoral, covers all that because it's pornea and the root yep. word of pornography. Yep. So if the enemy can destroy as many things in once, what do you think he's going to choose? It's not drugs. That's horrible. And he does a lot of destruction there. It's not alcohol. It's not gambling. All those things are their own vices and their own destruction. But in pornea, in sexual immorality and relational brokenness, mm. to your question, he can take the marriage and family even before it gets started with fornication and promiscuity and cohabitation, and he can, he can literally destroy every bit of that. From Genesis 1 and 2, he can take pornea and destroy life, love, marriage, sex, new life. In, in pregnancy, which your wife is experiencing, and he can destroy all of that, then what does the church look like? What does the relationship between Christ and his bride, God and Israel, look like, which, was, which is what marriage is supposed to represent? Now you've got not only society crumbling, but you've got the church crippled. Yeah, it will never fail, because Jesus Christ, sure. but it's crippled, yep. especially the American and Western culture church. And so, and, and I think the enemy, Wesley... I think he sits back and he laughs today often at the way we're doing church without paying attention to the deeper, more intimate relationships that have got to be there for us to make disciples in our homes and families that will strengthen the church. And the enemy goes, you guys keep playing church. Mm. You don't know how to love like God wanted you to love because you're not doing it in your homes and families. So I'll give you a few in the church, but I'm destroying all this because I am attacking and destroying marriage and family. Yeah, and uh, I think of I'm I'm a sports guy. I coach a little league baseball team here in town, and uh, we're we're located in Jupiler, Mississippi. It's our headquarters for AFR, and uh, so I so I use a lot of sports analogy. Uh, but back up for just a second. Uh, I've uh, always enjoyed the sports and coaching and being able to uh, coach a team. It has become it is ministry first for me. That's the only reason I do it. There's so many opportunities to minister to the kids, and ultimately ends up being a lot of times the parents. You know, so it's it's like a little church outside of church. But one thing I was going to say is that I tell people uh, a sports term that I would use when we get through playing, if if it fits the occasion, and I would say, well, look, you underperformed. It's not that you don't have the capability, and it's not like you're going to uh, fail ultimately, like long term. But today you underperformed, and I would say that's the analogy for the church right now in America, um, is that we're, like you said, you know, God's ahead of, uh, Jesus Christ is ahead of the church and it will prevail. But right now in so many areas, especially in the, uh, areas of, of, of family and marriage, I believe they're failing or, or I believe that they're underperforming to say the least. Would you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. But, but I also would have to say that it is a, it's a vicious cycle. Mm. It goes back to, it goes back to the, um, the, the vicious cycle goes back to God started, I ask this question when I'm doing conferences and retreats, how many churches were there in the Garden of Eden? And people will go, uh, well, well, and then every once in a while people go, well, there was one, and I go, you're right, and it was called marriage. Yeah. 
every marriage and family is a little church, and if we don't care for the little churches, it matters little how big the big churches get. So if if marriages and families aren't being strengthened in their commitment, in their love, and in their discipleship, then it's going to show up in our churches, and then churches get more fearful to hold people accountable, which is what discipleship requires. We've got to we don't have discipleship by just teaching God's truth. Right. It will do its work. Yes. But discipleship includes accountability and yep. obedience, and that's where we're missing and why we're underperforming. Yeah, and you're, you're saying a lot of words that are very offensive. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> I, well, I don't get invited back a lot of times, mostly, but I I'm have to, to be faithful. Uh, no, I'm totally kidding with you. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And some of the words that you've used, uh, like the word authority and lordship and um, responsibility, um, these are words that we need to um, we need to learn about, we need to know about. And um, no, I couldn't agree with you more on all that, and I'm totally kidding with you. But there are people, uh, there are <laughs> Christians, though, that struggle with uh, the, these things that we're talking about. And hey, let me ask you this. Um, so you're talking about the um, church and the family and how each family is a mini church. You know, I, I, one thing I would add to the audience, and I want, I, want, I want you to share one thing that you would think there would be a value to to make these things come to be true. Like what I guess what I'm saying, what do you do about this or how can we do about it? What I would encourage our audience to do is to make sure your priorities are in order. Priorities are huge. Uh, making sure that your um, your priority between you and God is right first, and then looking around and making sure that you're prioritized in your time with your family. You know, priorities, priorities, priorities are very important. So that's something you can do. So we've talked about the problem. Now for the solution, I'm suggesting that those that are listening, make sure that your priorities in order and write a list out of things that are important to you. Make sure that you never neglect your family over some materialistic yeah. thing. And what what would you say? What, what could people do about this problem? Well, I'll just add to that, Wesley. I actually have a section. First of all, in, in my book, I talk about God's covenant order. Our God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, and every covenant has an order. Mm. Dr. Tony Evans said that. And I had been saying for years, we are messing up our priorities. And when yeah. I heard him say that, I go, I'm going to use that. Because when you just described it, our, the first and greatest command tells us where we're supposed to start. Yes. The Lord our God is one, hero Israel, and that means we worship him alone. Yeah. Secondly, how do I do that? Well, I begin by learning how to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so much of what we do in our culture is that we try and get, oh, good, you're saved. Now go out and serve and love others and show them how much God loves them. But they're infants, so they need to be taught, and particularly in their personal life and in their marriage and home and family, how to love God. As we learn to love God, He teaches us and grows us in who we are in Christ. Now I can start to move into the second greatest command, which is like the first one, Mark twelve twenty nine through 31. That's where I'm getting this. But then I learn who I am in Christ, and I learn to love. Now I can be humble. I am confident, content in who I am, and I love who I am in Christ, so I can choose to place others above me. Mm-hmm. Then I go love others, and the Bible's very clear that the greatest human relationship is marriage. Yes. I've got to keep that priority where it is. Amen. And then my family, and then the church family, and then extended neighbors and others. But I can't love everyone equally, but I can love everyone. Yes. And I agree. I've got to prioritize. I'm finite. Hey, praise so God. Like you said. So hey. we lay that out in our book, and it helps so many couples and families 
to start doing that. And it also reminds the church, if I'm demanding too much from these families and I'm not helping their marriage grow, I'm probably doing more damage than good. Hey, Greg Williams, thank you so much for being on the program today with us. Thank you, Wesley. God bless you guys and bless your pregnancy and family. Amen. Praise God. We'll see you back next weekend on By Design on American Family Radio.